Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, we wanted to give you a little bonus mini episode after the Aliyah episode. Uh, due to time constraints, we had to edit it a bit. So here's uh, one of the missing parts, sort of a director's cut. Sorry about the construction noise, but it is Israel, there's always construction. Uh, and uh, it's basically Mark introducing himself, talking about how he got to where it is, and uh, Alan and I discussing with uh, Mark uh, different observations we have about living in Israel after making Aliyah. So uh, we hope you enjoy it, and uh, as always, please let us know. Here's the, with no further ado, here's the director's cut deleted scene. Bye-bye. Awesome. It's awesome to be here. I don't get to say this often, but I'm a long-time listener, first-time interviewee. Um, enjoy, enjoyed listening to the podcast. Um, and it's really, I think what you guys are doing is really great. Um, it's a really unauthentic and um, a passionate conversation. So it's great to be here to uh, try and contribute. Well, Mark, this is a bait and switch. We're not really going to talk about what we don't know about Aliyah. We're going to just, we want you to speak for the next half hour about how awesome we are. That's why you're here. <laughs> Um, let's begin with um, your taste of locations. Uh, very convenient to uh, my commute. Um, so let me uh, tell you, I'm Alan. Let me fill in the story. Uh, Alan, thank you for that kind introduction. I indeed know him from the, the boys' campus of Camp Ramon, the Poconos, many years ago as an, as an outstanding, outstanding educator there. Um, I was a seventh grade English teacher in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I already knew that I wanted to live in Israel. I, I had that um, great experience studying during college. Uh, 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 here, but you know what brought what brought me here was uh, back. I guess a lot of my education, and I think it's sort of to throw out there is, I uh, I went to public school growing up, where I, and I uh, because I went to public school, I went to Hebrew school. Hebrew schools where I learned to be illiterate in Hebrew, to read Hebrew and not understand a single thing. Well, what do you mean by Hebrew school exactly for people who don't get that term? So it was not just Sunday school. I also had to go um, on two other nights, two other evenings of the week was part of the deal. If you wanted to get Camp Ma, you had to have a stronger commitment. But it was also my parents wanted us to have that type of Jewish education. It was either Monday or Wednesday, yeah. and then like Sunday late classes, or Tuesday and Thursday, Sunday early classes. That's, I also did a stint in the Hebrew school world. I mean, I, I would love to talk about it some more. Maybe it's therapy for me. I remember being, I remember being in high school and learning in my Western civilization class about the Greek and Greek history, and then it was wintertime and Hanukkah, and I did not understand that the Hanukkah story actually happened during Greek civilization. Right. Like, I know I knew it was against the Greeks. I never connected that, that it was a revolt against that <clears throat> same empire that was there. I often wonder if when people talk about Jews and they talk about the Bible, if they understand they're talking about the same people. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've met people in conversations that they do not. They're, talk, they're talking about Israelites. Yeah. So for, so for me, um, I had a very strong a strong Jewish education from my home. And my, I remember the Hadassah meetings in my house. And Hebrew school connected us to our shul a lot. Um, but I had two older brothers. And my, my two older brothers had their path where they went to college. And they both studied political science. And then they spent their junior year studying in Israel. Um, and I was going to be different. So when I went to college, I... Um, I studied English literature, and I was going to go to England to Stratford and follow the Bard for the year. But when I went to college... You know, he's passed on, right? Study, uh, not with the Bard, oh, okay. but the same thing, you know... Uh, okay, I just didn't want to upset you. I should have let it in more gently. Yes. <laughs> I want to gather my, myself. Uh, I was really I was really focused on, on, on carving my own path from, from my family. Um, but that first Shabbat I was on, ca on campus, I actually asked myself a very uh, tough question. All these years, my family insisted on having a Friday night dinner. 
we are open to do many things after that Friday night dinner. Um, Dallas. And, uh, <laughs> and I was wondering, you know, what should I do? Should I go to the Hilla, which I had already prejudged to be a, a place of nerds and people that I wasn't interested in going to? Or should I just seek out a different identity? Um, and it led me to a, doing a lot of reading and a lot of questioning. And I sort of got involved in the local synagogue and uh, outside of campus. <clears throat> it was before the internet was available to a lot of reading. I went to bookstores and started taking out everything on, from Abraham Joshua Heschel to anything that would explain to me what Judaism really was or Jewish philosophy. And eventually it was a natural decision that um, I really should maybe come and explore my life in Israel uh, for my junior abroad. Uh, that was a parallel growth, the sense of, of wanting to be in Israel to Jewish growth to you? Yeah, it was, it was wondering. I think I, I, something is that Israel was part of that story, and I, I was wondering what was really happening. I think also, if I just to be honest, Mike, I felt very much as a closeted searcher. Um, I would explore what Shabbat meant inside my house or maybe inside the hill. But when I went out to campus, I was, I was just Mark Rosenberg, and I didn't share that. So I felt by coming to Israel would be an opportunity for me to live out loud. And no one would question, oh my, you put a kippah on, oh, you're walking with a shofar around. Again, I was just on the street just now in Emmerich Freeman, I saw someone walking with a shofar, and it's not near Yom Kippur or any holiday. And you're like, oh, that's normal. You know, it's, it's, well, yeah, ish, ish. So I, 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 for me, it was like, oh, I can, I can experiment much more about what I wanted to be in Israel. And I was surprised when I came here how much um, I could experiment what I wanted to be. That, that, that phrase, living my life out loud, I felt that Israelis, I learned to not prejudge them about their religion or what they were wearing on their head. Or, and, and I was like, wow, this is really a, a lively place. So when I went back to college, I didn't really fit back in. I, I didn't really fit back in socially or my mentality, so much so that I was able to argue to graduate through old standards and, and a semester early. And I, was, I learned that negotiating tactic that Israelis had. Um, and I, 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 w I made the decision I really had wanted to come on Aliyah. And I, I, I finished my degree teaching English also with a degree in ESL to teach English as a second language when I came to Israel. I've been here 15 years. And I, second degree also. It was, it was my master's degree teaching English as a second language, and I'm yet to do that. But that was my, my, my plan. Uh, so after a few years paying down my debts to the banks and society, um, in 2001, I came on Aliyah um, as a single 25-year-old, um, two bags and not so many cares in the world. Uh, and I came by myself. I, I, Nefesh by Nefesh was an organization that started that same year. I didn't really hear about it. I just heard that there was an organization helping people, but you had to apply and fill out these forms. And I was like, you know, I, I, eh, who, who needs the help? I'll, I'll come by myself. One quick story is that I had my brother here, uh, an older brother, who, uh, who had moved to Israel just around that same time. And he really was my support um, and explained things how to do. I went to the bank to try and take out a credit card and had the opposite experience of my college experience. I mean, some of your listeners might know this. When you go to college, they just hand out credit cards to college students <laughs> yeah. because they give you a T-shirt. So you're like, of course, I'll take the credit card. And um, I went to the bank here, and they refused me. So my brother said, you know, I'll co-sign for him. No, you know, I'll, uh, uh, what could I do? And eventually he said, I'm going to bring my Moroccan wife down here to yell at you. And guess what? They, they gave me a credit card. Oh, my gosh. True, true story. True story. So, Ray basically just goes back to learning how to yell. So those of you confused by Israeli economics, I think that was a major understanding. You know, that's a basic principle of how economics in this country work. Well, I tell people when they come visit Israel, I actually just did this on the plane. I was, I was coming back, and there was this, this lovely person who had never been to Israel before. I said, you need to know three things when you visit Israel. Number one, okay, Israelis have no sense of personal space. They're not being rude. The moment you say slicha or excuse me, they'll, they'll respect your space. They just, they're just not culturally sensitive. 
Number two is long-term planning is two weeks in advance. Don't assume that you just got to Israel and you're only going to be here for a week that you can't call up someone because you didn't plan out beforehand. You can just call them up. And the third is that no is just the start of negotiations. You just have to realize that. I just found another story. You, you have to realize that if someone says, no, I'm not, I'm, you can't get a refund on it. You just have to push and push. Not, not necessarily yell. You have to know how to finesse it and you can get your way. And be ready to walk away. That happened at, at the car wash, believe it or not. <laughs> well, I, I, there's a series of tactics that you get to choose from. There, yeah. Yelling is one of them, but there are many others. Yeah. Weeping is one. I, yeah. Oh, weeping is a good one. Weeping is a good one. Yeah, I think that works better for my wife than for me because I just look like an idiot. But uh, my wife has opened many doors by the weeping approach. Yeah. Oh, babies, by the way. Having a baby in your hand yeah. opens any door in Israel. And apparently threatening to have a Moroccan woman yell at you <laughs> is also very helpful. I didn't know that one. I'm going to do that. So, I'm going to tell my wife to be Moroccan. <laughs> so um, my, brother's, my brother's lovely wife is Moroccan, and my first year here, we went to her house for Rosh Hashanah, and they actually eat at this Moroccan family. They eat the head of the animal you know, as a sign for a good year. And I, I now know how to say no to Moroccans. Yet it's like a 15-pattern, different versions of no. You have to be polite. No, no, no. I, didn't, I end up eating the head of the animal, much to my chagrin. If you only could see the face that Alan is making right now when I say that, not just because he's a vegetarian, but because he has sympathy for me. Um, but it was um, an experience that I never went back to them for Rosh Hashanah ever again. But it, I, I realized I had to learn cultural norms for it. And let me just, let me just uh, wrap up my lovely, my lovely personal life for so far is that, so I actually landed with a great job as an educator working for Young Today's Year course. I actually was able to join the faculty. I, I had the pleasure of working there for seven years. And after we had, uh, the nice way of saying it, a contract dispute and we parted ways, and I was looking for something else to do. And I was getting ready to, t to become that English teacher that I thought I would be. And I started interviewing for jobs, and I was actually offered teaching jobs. I was going to teach at a, uh, a, a non-Orthodox school in the morning and then teach at an Orthodox school because they have Jewish studies in the morning. I was going to teach English in the afternoon, so I had a perfect schedule. But no one could tell me how much money I would make. Okay, now I know that you can call up Nefesh Benefesh and they'll like talk with and they'll figure it out for it, but I didn't have that. So I said, what else am I going to do? And I looked at my skill set. And I eventually said, okay, I'm a good communicator. I have strong writing skills, editing skills. I'm comfortable standing for large groups of people. I'm creative. And essentially teaching is translating complex ideas so that people can understand them. And I started looking for a job in PR and marketing, which, by the way, is both what both my older brothers do. So I, I tried to reject their path and coming to Israel and going into English literature, but I ended up coming back not just to Israel but also doing PR and marketing with them. And I got a job eventually. Uh, I landed a, an entry job at Nefesh Benefesh on their marketing team doing uh, programming and outreach. Uh, outreach instead of designing their programs, making sure that people got their information. And over the past few years, I've been promoted. Uh, now I am in charge of our, our pre-Aliyah team. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Nefesh Benefesh started 15 years ago as a, as a way to kickstart um, a, uh, a more successful way to help North Americans move to Israel.